open your kindness and your mercy to us. We thank you that you have called us to be your church in this city. Lord, we thank you that in this place, in your church, in your presence, the impossible becomes possible. We thank you that in your presence, our lives do not stay the same. In your presence, there is transformation. Lord, I pray that you'd give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Oh, we know so many things about so many different subjects and experiences. But Lord, I pray that in these days to come, in this church, you would give us, each one of us, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ Jesus, that we would know you and what you've provided for us to live life, that we would know you and we would understand in our spirit the riches of your grace, the depth of your love, the freedom that you have paid for us to enjoy, the freedom that you have paved the way for, for us to walk in, for us to reign in life. Lord, I pray by experience that each one of us would know that greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. By experience, by revelation knowledge, I pray that each and every one of us in this place that's rooted in this church would know that we are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. I pray that the Spirit would so energize our spirit in these days to come that we would be able to say with the Apostle Paul, I can, not I can't, not back off or shrink back or retreat, but I can as we race forward toward life, as we race forward towards the future, as we race forward fearlessly for you. I can do all things. Lord, I pray that you'd give us such a spirit of faith to conquer. Lord, I pray that you'd give us such a spirit of faith. Not like all of those many millions of Israelites that said, we can't do it. And they shrank back and wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years. But there were two amongst them, Joshua and Caleb, that were of a different spirit. Lord, I pray that we would have a different spirit. Lord, the spirit that these men had, the Holy Spirit, that said we are more than able. We are more than able to enter the land that you have called us to enter. We are more than able with your anointing, with your spirit, with your life, Jesus, to do what you have called each one of us to do. Now, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would seed in our hearts your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that we would know you as the helper. Imagine having God on your side to help you every day, church. Well, it no longer has to stay in the realm of imagination. God is saying, draw near to me. I'm drawing near to you. Your reward for drawing near to me and turning away from the world is you get God. You get God. You get God's assistance. You get God's help. The Holy Spirit I pray we would know as helper, as comforter, as teacher, as the one that brings us into all truth. Oh, Lord, I pray we would come from the shadows. I pray that we would, we would leave the inferior form of life that so 
binds us sometimes. And we would rise into this newness of life that, Holy Spirit, you would be the instructor. You would be the one that brings us into all truth. Not just so that we can recite Bible verses, parrot fashion, but have no reality. But I pray for a burning fire of revelation. That the Word of God would be alive within us. The sharp sword that's sharper than any sword. Lord, would divide those old thoughts and deal with them and bring them down. The giants in our mind, the giants that hold us back, the giants that clamp their arms around us, that sword of your spirit, that sword of your word that's living, active. I pray that the word of God would be active within us, active within our mind active within our spirit, that you would do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think, and it would begin within us. It would begin within us. Lord, I pray that I know that the season of this church has changed. You brought it from a settling period into a period where there will be advancement, where there will be progression, where there won't be any retreat, but where we will run forward, excited, ready for the challenge to crack open opportunities, to step into a higher level, to meet you, Lord, in all the miraculous ways that you have designed for us. Lord, I thank you that we are walking into the unknown. We are walking and stepping into the unknown and there's going to be surprises that just break out in front of us that's going to come to us, Lord, and there's going to be a corresponding anointing to deal with the sick world, to help it, to heal it, to make it whole. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that it's not by might nor by power. There is no might or power that can deal with the unknown. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord. It's by my spirit. You are a spiritual people. Know ye not that you are the temples of the Holy Ghost. Know ye not that you are the habitation of God. And Lord, we thank you for that. It's wonderful. It's awesome. It's beyond imagination that you would choose to tabernacle your presence, and hide it away in each one of us. We look so common. We look so weak. We look so abandoned sometimes. We look so broken. But Lord, you have chosen to hide yourself in our brokenness. You've chosen to hide yourself in our seemingly defeated lives. But this is the day that you will arise and shine, church. For your light has come and the light within you will cause the darkness to go, will cause the darkness to flee. Lord, we thank you for it. We thank you. This is the day the Lord has made. You've brought us into a day. You've brought us out of one day, and you've taken us into a new day. And because we're in a new day, we will rejoice and be glad in it. And there will be good reason to rejoice as well. Because when our eyes behold your greatness, when our eyes behold your glory, when our senses are saturated with the understanding that you're in the building, and not only in the building, but you're in our bedroom, you're in our workplace, you're walking down the street with us because you said I will never leave you I will never forsake you our senses will become saturated with a conscious understanding that you're with us and for us and not against us 
And Lord, in that moment of understanding, in that moment where there's an awakening, the seed-like faith that we have within us will suddenly conquer mountains of sickness, disease, will suddenly conquer mountains of lack and insecurity. And the church again will have a reputation that God is in the house. The church again will have a reputation that the lights are on and and God is at home. The church again will not be seen as a place where darkness eclipses all of the wonderful things that God has placed within it. The church again will be seen as a city on a hill, attractive, brilliant, beautiful. Thank you, Jesus, that you are coming to this land. Thank you, Jesus, by your Spirit, you're going to be on your people. And the world is not going to be looking for you in meetings. The world is going to be looking for you in your followers, in your followers, in your people, because we are the body of Christ, joined and fitted together. We are living stones that God is building. Lord, we thank you for it. Let it be done. Let it be so. Rivers of living water flowing from our innermost being. Rivers of living water. That wasn't a theological discourse that you were delivering to some students. You were talking about reality, Jesus. You were talking about what you were buying for us. Rivers. And I pray, Lord, that the, that the river that never runs dry. Oh, there is a river that makes glad the city of God, David said. Lord, I pray that we would drink from this river. I pray, Lord, that this river would just break out. Within us, Jesus. Oh, God, I pray that your church would know the deep river, the river of God, I pray. Holy Ghost, flood every heart in this place. Drop on your people, I pray, in Jesus' name. Awaken an agony within your people. Awaken a cry within your people that will cause them to cry out to you. Oh God, I pray, only you can do it. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit. And I pray for a new prayer to arise within your people, God. I pray that you switch it on. I pray that you touch the area that's untouched. I pray that you'd go to the area of the heart that's waiting for you. Oh God, I ask this in the wonderful name of Jesus. And Lord, for the honor and the glory of your name. For we will give the praise to no other. We will give the honor to no one else other than you. In Jesus' name. Come on, church. Let's give him a shout this morning. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be seated for a few moments, and I'll let the musos get seated as well. Oh, fantastic. God is good. Great days ahead. He's in our future. He's in our present. Yeah, that's right.
That's right, just be aware. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That's right. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. That's it. Go on, Lord, give him some. Tell you, man, some of you guys just need a good old belly laugh in the Holy Ghost. That's what you need. <laughs> just, Lord, if you want to do that, take over this service. Just take it over, Holy Ghost. They want you. That's what they want. Do you want a sermon of the Holy Ghost? Over to you. Over to you, church. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, he's so good. He is so wonderful. Nobody like Jesus. Nobody like him. Oh, we're on uncharted territory, church. Uncharted. We're stepping into the unknown. We've never been there, but Jesus has. It's not unknown to him. It's a great place. It's an abundant place. It's a wonderful place where he's taking each and every one of us, where there's peace, where there's joy. And you may have a portion of peace now, but I'm telling you now, oh my goodness, peace, love, joy, and a sense, a wonderful sense of his presence every, <laughs> every minute of every day. Oh, there was an old song once that was sung, and it was this, I get so thrilled with Jesus every moment of every day. Oh, that's a satisfied life talking. That's a fulfilled life talking, a life that's conscious of His presence, a life that cannot attend to anything else other than who He is, and the reality of his presence being with them. My goodness me. That's right. Just be aware of his presence. Let him minister to you right now. Let him do what he needs to do. This is not a meeting that's dry, that's ordinary, that's just typical of what church is. This is a meeting where we meet with the King of Kings. This is a meeting where we encounter His presence and His goodness and His love. Amen. Last night, the Holy Spirit said to me, He said, you're not going to be talking on what you have planned to talk on this morning. I said, okay, Holy Spirit. I always get a little nervous when He says stuff like that. He said, you're going to be talking on what I want you to say. And, um, you know, moments like this are getting more and more frequent for me. Because I plan to say what I plan to say. And then suddenly the Holy Spirit comes and he says, no, we're not going to be talking about that. So from my heart, I just simply said, Holy Spirit, this morning at six o'clock. I said, Holy Spirit, I need your help. He said to me, it's a good job that I'm a helper, isn't it? And he came to help me and to make things clear. 
to help me direct our mind and our thoughts and our attention on what he has to say this morning. And uh, I'm sure this is going to take, you know, more than our time today will permit to get out. But basically, I want to continue on the theme that we've been looking at in previous weeks about building God's house. But I want to talk about the essential ingredient to build in church. The essential ingredient to building our house, our family, our home here in this church. And not only is this an essential ingredient to build in church, but this is the essential ingredient to build in your life. There is one essential ingredient that every single one of us has to have in place in our lives if we are going to build a great life. I'm telling you now, Jesus has such a wonderful picture of your life and my life. The Bible says that we are the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus. Your life is God's masterpiece. Your life is something that God will never leave that God will never leave to you just to do it yourself and put things in place that you think best. No, you have the master on your case when it comes to your life. Your life is a masterpiece. Your life is a glorious thing. And there's one ingredient that each and every one of us need in place within our lives if our lives are going to go the distance, if our lives are going to truly reflect Jesus. How many people want their lives to reflect Jesus? I do. I do. I tell you, I don't want my life to look like any other life other than the life of Jesus. In fact, Paul says that we are being conformed into the very image of Christ. What a privilege. What a blessing. I tell you now, that's worth more than a trillion pound, friends, for, for us to know that our lives are being fashioned and conformed to that wonderful image of Christ, and that means that our character, the word image means character. It means all of his values, all of his ideals, all of his wonder and beauty, all of the, all of the greatness and the strength of his character, we are being conformed to. What a wonderful, wonderful privilege we have. But this essential ingredient that I want to talk to you about this morning is found when Jesus had a conversation with his disciples one night on the eve of his departure. On the eve of him leaving this earth, Jesus had traveled with these men. These men had watched him closely. These men had seen him minister so powerfully to hundreds of thousands of people. And Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, had all of his team, all of his disciples in a room together. And I think he'd waited for this moment. Jesus had waited for three years to get his disciples, get his team to this final moment. This was not only the greatest moment for Jesus' life, it was the greatest moment for his disciples too. And he'd waited for this moment. And he gets them in a room. And in John chapter 
13, we read about it. Let me read to you from John chapter 13. We're going to read from verse 3 through to verse 20. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he, he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter. And Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Sometimes we hit a wall like Peter hit a wall on this particular night. Sometimes Jesus takes us into a place where it's completely unknown to us. It's uncharted territory. And when he brings such sudden change, when Jesus brings such, such um, a, a shift in your mind and a shift in direction and, and an enlarging of your understanding, very often it's easy to back off. It's easy to resist. Change is here to stay for all of us. God is not static. God moves. God, God confronts us on our ideals, on our ideas, on our understandings. And very often, He takes us far, far beyond where we would like to go. And this is what was happening to Peter on this night in this room with all the other disciples too. Jesus took Peter to a place that he had never been before in his understanding. This was the man that had walked on water. This was the man that had seen Jesus fill his nets and fill his boat to the point of sinking. But now Jesus was taking him far beyond all of those things and Jesus was bringing him into an understanding that Peter had never, ever envisaged. Jesus washing his feet. Jesus laying aside his agenda. Jesus laying aside his rights. Jesus laying aside even his lordship, his greatness, his power. And now in the midst, in a private room, not in a public synagogue where everybody could view it, where everybody could praise him for the great work that he was doing there as a servant. No, in a private room, an unspectacular room that had no religious connotations. In a, in a private room, Jesus is there. He lays aside his dignity. And he shows them what it's all about. He shows them what's required. He shows them the raw life of what a servant is and what's required. And for Peter, it was too much. Peter protested, I can't handle this change. I can't handle this depth of revelation. 
Remember, we prayed and we all agreed that we would get a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Do we really want it? Do we really want the knowledge of Jesus? Do we really want a spirit of revelation? Because when He peels back who He is, when He reveals His stature, when He reveals the side of His character that says, if there's any other way but not my way, thy will be done. When he reveals who he is, sweat in blood, a broken heart, a pierced side, a crucified form. Do we really want it, church? Spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. That is what we are asking for. And that is what Christ was showing Peter on this night in this room. In an obscure place. And Peter protested. Do you know what? When you really begin to see who Jesus is, you do protest. You do. And that's okay. He's got it all in control. He knows about the protest. He knows about the upset. He knows about the lack of faith and trust that we have. It's okay. And Jesus Gently instructs Peter. And then Peter, the pendulum swings within Peter at the possibility of not being a part of what Jesus is doing. And he said, okay, not only my feet, my whole body. And Jesus said, listen, you've already been washed. I just need to wash your feet. Now, Jesus wasn't revealing to them a new type of ministry, feet washing ministry. World-shaking, feet-washing ministry. No. He was revealing to them the spirit in which he came. He was revealing to them what his love and the dimension of his love demanded, not only of him, but of them too. Lay aside. What is it that holds you back in the cause of Christ in this day and age, what is it that pulls on your commitment? What is it that pulls on your time? What is it that pulls on that zeal for this house? What is it? Lay it aside. Lay it aside and find the joy in following Jesus. Lay it aside and find the joy that can only be found in sacrifice. Lay it aside. Deal with it today. And find the joy and the wonder of His presence with you, blessing you in everything you do. Peter was taken to that place. And he struggled. And he fought it. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. You see, that's what revelation does. This spirit of wisdom and revelation is more than clapping your hands and singing songs, friends. Oh, oh, oh yeah. It's far bigger than that for all of us. Listen, I, I'm not telling you that up here as if I've got it all cracked together, please. You know from what I've told you countless times, over, over many times, that I haven't got it all cracked together, this spirit of wisdom and revelation will take you far, far beyond where you're willing to go. But the Holy Spirit 
will help each and every one of us to get there. You'll never wash my feet, he says. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash your feet, you have no part with me. You have no part with me. You see, there comes a time in every believer's life where you, where you hit a crossroads. Whether it's with this church and what Jesus is doing here. Listen, I'm not in charge of the church. I just get the job to implement the changes that he wants to bring within the church. And sometimes that's not a nice job. Because we, none of us like change. And we struggle with it and we fight it. But down the road, that change brings great blessing as we obey him. But we fight change. We fight revelation. We fight the word of God. I'm telling you, when it comes into our daily lives, where it cuts and it intersects our experience and our expectation and what we want to do, we fight it. Never, never we say, we protest. This isn't just Peter's deal. This is as real and as prevalent in the church today as it's ever been. Why? Because we're just human beings. But it's okay. Jesus is going to get us through. You have no part with me. Listen, listen. Sometimes we all have to come to the place in our lives where Jesus has to reprimand us. Are you willing for Jesus to reprimand you? Are you willing for Jesus to stand up in your face and say, Dave, you're wrong. Dave, stop it. Dave, I need to correct you. You've got a hard heart. You're thinking the wrong way. Your attitude, Dave, it stinks. It's not acceptable. That doesn't fit within the criteria of my kingdom. It might be in your kingdom, but it certainly isn't mine. Change, Dave. I don't want to change. No. I want to be the person that I've been. Well, Dave, it could be if you keep on going down this road, you have no part with me. In this time, in this season, in this new blessing that I want to bring. Now, that doesn't mean to say you're going to lose your salvation. I don't believe a believer can because of God's kindness and God's grace. But we can hinder the blessing and the work that God has for us. And Jesus was saying to him, Peter, listen, if you're going to follow me, if you're coming with me, if, if, I, if, if Peter, listen, this is the point that we're at. I've told you, Peter, that you are going to be a fisher of men in the boat when we were alone, when we were fishing. I told you, Peter, that you were going to be a fisher of men. But this is a roadblock here, Peter. Your attitude, your approach right here is blocking the way forward. And if you do not allow me to wash your feet, you have no part with me. And Peter backs down. Thank God. Thank God Peter backs down. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, 
taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought, 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 to, ought to wash one another's feet. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, listen, blessed are you if you do them. I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. Now, Jesus wasn't telling them to go on a big feet-washing mission, okay? Let's understand that for a moment. Because never again in, in the New Testament do you really see them washing one another's feet. There may be a suggestion here and there, but you never really see the practice of washing one another's feet outworked in the disciples' lives when you look through the book of Acts. So he wasn't telling them to go on this big feet-washing mission around the world. But he was revealing to them a principle. He was revealing to them something that he wanted to take, that, that he wanted them to take a hold of. And that was a servant's heart. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. Man, we've just got into this. But we had to get that little prayer out at the beginning just to set it in motion. He wanted them to see a deeper side of himself, what he was about. He'd waited for this moment. They'd seen the healings. They'd seen the deliverances. They'd seen the remarkable things that had gone on through Jesus' life and ministry as he poured himself out to thousands of, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people? Was it the anointing? Was it the power? Was it? No, it was this. It was this. This was the source of it all. Later in this chapter, and we'll get into this in the weeks to come, Jesus says to them, John 13, 34 to 35, and this is where we're going in the weeks to come, John 13, 34 to 35, a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love one another as I 
have loved you. Jesus didn't say to them, love me as I have loved you. He knew that that was completely impossible. They were completely incapable of loving Jesus how he had loved them and how he was about to love, love them in laying down his life so freely and graciously on the cross. Impossible. But he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And I, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. As unconditionally as I have loved you, I want you to love one another. You look at, into the background of this night, what was happening. And just hours before, they'd had a huge argument, the disciples. Big, massive bust-up. Arguing and fighting, quarreling, bickering. Who's the greatest among us? Who's going to be the most prominent one? Who's going to be the one? Who's going to be the one? There's one of us. There must be one of us. Could it be Peter? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Upon this rock, Peter, I will build my church. Jesus wasn't referring to Peter. He was referring to the revelation. But Peter may have taken that to himself and thought, do you know what? I'm going to be the one that Jesus builds his church on. And there's this argument that breaks out amongst them. Who's the greatest? And even to the point that two brothers got their mother involved. And when you get your mother involved, I tell you, we got trouble. And the mother comes along to Jesus. And she says, Jesus, I need you to do me a favor. What's that? I want one of my boys sitting on my left hand, one of my boys sitting on your right hand. And Jesus says this to her. He says, listen, what you've asked, you don't know really what you're asking for. Can they drink the cup that I'm about to drink? What was he saying? He wasn't referring to a physical cup. He was talking about a revelation. Can they enter the revelation that I'm about to walk in? Can they flesh out and act out what I'm about to do? And they glibly say, yeah, we can. Oh, really? Oh, really? Really? Just a couple of days later, they were running for their life away from the cross. Jesus was running towards it and nailed on it. Oh yeah, I tell you now, we've got our big statements of faith and our big promises. But when the pressure's on and life kicks in and there's, there's even a satanic assault against the will of God, many just walk off and back off because there's no substance to the revelation that they that, that, that they spew out of their mouth. No, this is real stuff, church. This ain't a sermon. This is reality. This is where you count the cost. This is where you leave everything and follow Christ. Take up your cross, he said, and follow me. Why did he say a cross? I'll tell you why. So that when everybody comes against you, you've got something to hang on. Like he hung on. When everybody comes against you with their insults, you've got a cross to hand them to, pull the nails out of your pocket, give them the hanger, hammer and say, okay, just do it Jesus style then. That's why he said carry a cross if you didn't know. You're supposed to take it into every conflict, every insult, every situation of life where you want to rise up and you say, do you know what? Not my will, thy will be done. Carry the cross. 
Oh, that we might know him and the power of his resurrected life. You want to know that resurrected life, you've got to go into his death too. That God may give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. This is the way of Jesus. This is the way of Christ. Not some candy floss Christianity that you chew in your mouth and suddenly it's into thin air. This is what it's all about, church. This is what it's all about. It really is. They thought, they thought, who's the one? Who's the one? Who's the anointed one? Jesus said, it's not about the one, it's about the one another. Huge difference. Massive difference. Church is not about the one. The prominent one. The anointed one. And the New Testament church in Acts got this. They got it. It's not about the one. The anointed man of God floating across the stage, drawing this, that, and the other out of you, man. Forget that. Are you, are you all right or what? Are you reading your Bible? It's not about the one. It's about the one another. The one another. And I'm not saying that leaders don't have functions and pastors and, and apostles and prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists don't have their place. But we are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. You're anointed, man. You're anointed. Don't delegate that anointing to somebody else. No, you have an anointing within you. You really do. Who's the one? And Jesus lays himself. That was the argument of the day. Who's the one? Who's the greatest? Who's the man? And in the night, you know, Jesus just let him argue, man. Just let him have their moment jockeying for position, trying to get up the ladder, just like this old world has always done. And he just leads them into an obscure room. The towel and the bowl are there, ready for somebody to serve. An opportunity ready for somebody to seize. A seed, something so small that had something so huge within it, but they ignored it. Why? Because their eyes were full and their mind was full of selfish ambition and conceit. They ignored it. The customary thing. The one that should have been honored should have been Jesus. But their minds were so filled with themselves. And I feel that so many times in my life, my mind is full of, of selfish ambition. My mind is full of so many distracting things. And the one that should be honored with my life, the one that I should be giving attention to, the one that I should have before me at all times, slips slowly into the background and waits graciously. Do you feel like that? In this busy world, in this busy life, Jesus is hidden beneath all of the things, the other things that are unimportant. But he took 
that small opportunity that everybody else had ignored, and he lifted it to himself. It's amazing how Jesus can make a bowl of water so wonderful. It's amazing how Jesus can take the normal, the average, the natural, and make it something spiritual, anything in his hands. <laughs> Woo! Can change. Can change. He can take things that you've got in your house and turn them around. Gifts, talents, like a, like a, just like a common article. You take it up to himself, and I tell you now, he can turn it around and change it. And he uses his towel and the bowl to wash their feet and to tell them what the kingdom's all about. Tell them what the ingredient was for building a great life. Tell them and set them in the right course and in the right direction for where they were going in the future. Boys, Listen now, it's all about loving one another as I have loved you. Don't get your eyes off that. Don't forget this greatness thing. Forget this jockeying for position. Forget this, this, this quarreling, fighting, vicious, bickering that's going on inside you. It's all going to come tumbling down soon, boys. This is what it's about. It's not about the one. It's not about the one, it's about the one another. And we're going to get into this. I tell you now, the Lord showed me some stuff this morning. My goodness me, I nearly grew some air. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give Jesus praise this morning. Woo! Hallelujah. Do you know what? You could be here today in this place. and You've never asked Jesus into your heart. I want us to close our eyes for a few moments. Jesus loves you so much. Jesus wants to be your friend. He wants to be your savior. He wants to be your Lord. Not so that you can live under his foot, but that he can lift you up into a wonderful life that he can save you. Right now, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer with me. I prayed this prayer or a prayer like this simply many years ago. All I can say is something happened. I meant it. I was wondering in my mind when I prayed this prayer, is anything going to happen? <laughs> oh, it happened. Jesus came into my heart. I want to give you an opportunity right now to do this. Maybe you're here today. Do you know what? Why live another moment without Jesus in your heart? Why live another moment resisting and fighting? I understand. It's not easy sometimes to believe. I know you struggle with even just believing. But you know what? Jesus, for every negative question you have, Jesus has a positive answer. He really does. And the first step to conquering those questions, the first step to conquering those fears is just by saying, Jesus, come into my heart. I'm willing. I'm willing to give you this moment, to give you my life. I'm going to pray right now. Let's close our eyes for a moment while people may want to pray. Say this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, 
quietly in your heart, I ask you today, would you come into my heart? I ask you right now, I invite you, I invite you into my life. I'm not sure about all the things about God and heaven and all of that, but I invite you, I ask you to forgive me my sin. I want to know your peace. I want to know that you're close to me right now in Jesus' name.